Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello and welcome to Pro-Life Primetime News. Today is Friday, September 8th. I'm Leslie Palma. And I'm Teresa Watson. We're so happy to have you with us tonight. In our top story, we'll take a look at the Florida laws that will be impacted by a hearing today in the state Supreme Court. Pro-life activist Belinda Ford will join us to give us her perspective on the future of abortion in Florida. In Abortion in the News, I'll update you on new lawsuits in Montana and Oregon and let you know what happened to billboards in Nebraska whose message was a blatant lie. In political news in a nutshell, I'll tell you how the Supreme Court is involved in the race for president and which governor is seeking re-election is trying to cast his opponent as an abortion extremist. Tomorrow is the 10th anniversary of the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children and we'll take a look at how people across the country honor and memorialize the innocent victims of abortion. The winners of the National Pro-Life Recognition Award have been chosen. We'll tell you who they are and how you can attend the ceremony where they will be honored. If you're wondering about our shirts, you'll have to stay tuned to the end to find out why we're wearing them and how you can get one. The Florida Supreme Court heard oral arguments today in a case seeking to overturn a state law that protects babies from abortion at 15 weeks. Pro-lifers in the state are hopeful that the 2022 law will be upheld. If it is, a heartbeat bill passed after Roe v. Wade was overturned last year will be enacted, protecting babies from about six weeks. While the case has been pending, women from southern states with laws that better protect the unborn have been flocking to Florida to abort their children. Politico reported in June that Florida has seen the biggest increase in out-of-state abortions since the Dobbs decision in June 2022. We've invited pro-life activist Belinda Ford, president and executive director of the Fiona Jackson Center for Pregnancy in Winter Garden, and a candidate for the Florida House, to join us to talk about this very important case. Welcome to the show, Belinda. Hello, ladies. So Belinda, before we talk about the 15-week law, tell us how you got into pro-life activism. Well, it was back in 2013 where I met a gentleman that was actually advocating uh, for babies at an abortion clinic. And uh, long story short, uh, I asked him what was going on and he challenged me. I told him I was a minister and he challenged me with the name Margaret Sanger and said, go and search her out. And if you're a real minister, your life would change. And after that, I started having dreams about babies calling out, save me, save me. And from there, I started actually just going out and preaching, especially to the communities I come from, about the truth about abortion. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's that's life changing. Well, Since Dobbs, Florida's become a destination state for abortion, but are you also seeing women from out of state in your pregnancy center? We have. We actually have had women from out of state. Matter of fact, we've had um, women from other countries um, that was in other states and come to Florida um, looking for, I believe, looking for abortion. But when they come into the pregnancy center, they're asking for the free pregnancy test because that's how we we draw the women in. And as you sit with them and coach with them and listen to them, you realize that they really are looking to have an abortion. And it's, it's unbelievable. So we've had quite a few. 
Well, so the media is quick to point out that our pro-life governor, Ron DeSantis, appointed five of the seven justices on the Supreme Court. Does that make you optimistic about the outcome? Yes, um, I got to love um, our governor for everything that he's putting forth um, for Florida. It, it's making things very tight. It's, it's, it's really making us understand from a holistic place what abortion truly is. I believe it's waking people up. It's a bigger message. And as we look at the Dobbs case and everything that is bringing forth, I'm praying that even the states that's not listening begin to wake up and really understand truly that this is coming against not just our state, but our country as a whole. Belinda, you're a candidate for the Florida House. If you win, what are you hoping to achieve for the state of Florida? When it comes to our being pro-life, being that I'm an executive director and, and God has called me to open up pregnancy centers, I'm, I'm hoping that I can really get some state funding that is legitimate for pregnancy centers, that we can actually have more pregnancy centers that's bringing prevention. You know, Planned Parenthood is a household name in communities. It's time for pregnancy centers to be household names um, in our communities. So I'm looking for Florida to become a pro-life, make Florida pro-life. <laughs> we're, we're with you there. So <laughs> So before you go, please share with our viewers what your campaign is about. Give us a, a, a free campaign ad. Okay. Well, <laughs> our campaign is definitely about the children. Um, our campaign is dreaming forward together to make our communities greater. And my focus is definitely on the children. Of course, um, school choice was a big, big one here for Florida. However, we do have this notion of having drag queens in our schools and putting on programs. I'm, I'm ready to fight against that. I believe that parents should have all the rights to their children and know what's happening with their children. And so that's one of my biggest focus focus right now. Um, however, District 40 is the district I'm running for. It's a very unique district. Um, it has the very poor and the, the very rich in it. And so crime is very high. And so I'm really looking forward to, from a state level, how to bring that, that crime level down where we can have a very, very good community that we're living in and, and be able to focus and go forward as a, as a, as from our children perspective from the future of our children. So my focus is our children. That's fantastic. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, you certainly have our support. And we thank you so much for joining us tonight and sharing your insights with us and many, many blessings for a successful campaign. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good, Good night. night, Belinda. Good night. On Sunday, a Polish family of nine will be beatified, which is a step towards naming them saints of the Catholic Church. The youngest child was still in his mother's womb when the family was killed by the Nazis. In March 1944, the Ulma family, devout Catholics, hid eight members of three Jewish families for two years before being discovered. All eight Jews were murdered, as were Joseph and Victoria Ulma and their six children, ranging in age from seven to one. Their house was then set on fire and the bodies hastily buried. When the bodies were dug up a week later to give the family a more dignified memorial, it was discovered that Victoria, who was seven months pregnant when she was shot, had a newborn child next to her. It's theorized that the trauma of her execution began her labor. The beatification mass will take place Sunday in the Ulmas village of Markawa, now home to around 4,000 people. In 1995, Yad Vashem in Israel recognized the family as righteous among the nations. A group of 13 pro-abortion religious leaders were in court in St. Louis on Wednesday, seeking to permanently block a law enacted last year that protects most babies from abortion. 
The religious leaders from Jewish, Christian, and Unitarian backgrounds claim Missouri lawmakers openly invoked their religious beliefs while drafting the law, imposing those beliefs on others who don't share them. A federal trial for four pro-life advocates charged with violating the Freedom of Access to Clin Clinic Entrances Act began Wednesday, just a week after five pro-lifers were convicted of the same charges. All nine could face up to 11 years in prison and fines up to $350,000 each, stemming from an October 2020 rescue at a D.C. late-term abortion mill. Among the rescuers in the group on trial now is Joan Andrews Bell, a 74-year-old longtime activist who already has served many prison terms for her efforts to save the unborn. Two independent abortion businesses in Montana are suing the state because owners object to the fact that they have to be licensed and inspected by the state. A law to be enacted October 1st requires abortion sellers to be licensed and to have their facilities inspected annually by the State Department of Public Health and Human Services. Blue Mountain Clinic and All Families Healthcare are balking, claiming they don't need the oversight. But the sponsor of the bill, Representative Lola Sheldon Galloway, said the law aims to bring abortion businesses up to the standards of actual healthcare facilities in the state. Dental clinics are inspected, emergency care clinics are inspected, eye care clinics are inspected, I own a restaurant and I'm inspected all the time for safety, and I don't think we're asking for a whole lot," Sheldon Galloway said earlier this year. Billboards in Omaha, Nebraska that falsely claimed women are being jailed over the state's abortion laws have been taken down. The pro-abortion organization Free and Just erected five billboards along a busy corridor of Interstate 80, but Nebraska Right to Life pushed back against the signs, and Lamar Outdoor Advertising has confirmed they have been taken down. The message on the signs refers to the case of a teenager who was convicted of using abortion pills to kill her baby at 29 weeks, well past the state's then limit of 20 weeks, and then burying and burning and burying the body. The case came to light because the teen, Celeste Burgess, and her mother, Jessica Burgess, discussed their plans on Facebook Messenger, with the girl expressing her excitement at being able to fit into her jeans again. Celeste Burgess was sentenced to 90 days in jail and two years probation after pleading guilty to moving or abandoning a human body, and her mother is awaiting sentencing after pleading guilty to providing an illegal abortion and tampering with human remains. Plans are moving forward for a monument to the unborn to be erected on the grounds of the Arkansas State Capitol in Little Rock. The Capitol Arts and Grounds Commission is seeking designs for the monument, and interested artists have until September 30th to submit designs to Se Secretary of State John Thurston's office. Pro-life groups in the state will have a say in which design the commission ultimately chooses. The Kansas Pregnancy Care Network has been awarded a $2 million contract by the state to start a public awareness program aimed at helping mothers choose life for their unborn children. State Treasurer Steve Johnson was given the responsibility of choosing an entity to administer the Alternatives to Abortion program, which was enacted over the veto of pro-abortion Governor Laura Kelly. The Kansas Pregnancy Care Network was founded June 30th in Mission, Kansas, with US, former U.S. Rep. Tim Hulskamp serving as president. The network was the only Kansas-based entity to submit a qualified bid. Pro-abortion lawmakers in Michigan are anxious to get rid of as many pro-life laws as they can after voters in the state last year invented a right to abortion in the state constitution. But parental consent laws will not be repealed for now. We didn't want to include anything that would have prohibited the rest of the package from getting through at this point in time, Representative Lori Pohutsky told reporters on Wednesday. But the American Civil Liberties Union of Michigan believes it's unnecessary for parents to have a say in a minor daughter's abortion and that the requirement should no longer be law. Mexico's Supreme Court decriminalized abortion nationwide Wednesday, two years after ruling that abortion was not a crime in one northern state. 
the court announced on X, formerly known as Twitter, that criminalizing abortion in the federal penal code was unconstitutional because it violates the human rights of women and, quote, people with the ability to gestate. And finally, across the pond, some 7,000 pro-lifers filled Parliament Square in Great Britain over the weekend at a Freedom to Live march, the ninth march for life to take place in the country. The event's co-director, Isabel Vaughn Spruce, shared her experience of being arrested for praying silently near an abortion business. On the second time I was arrested, I was told my prayers were an offense. I'll tell you what is offensive, she said, that our country has the highest ever abortion figures and the only response we see happening in our government is a clampdown on those who peacefully offer alternatives to pregnant women. Abortion is legal in England until 24 weeks and later under some circumstances. And that's abortion in the news. In 2013, Priests for Life, Citizens for a Pro-Life Society, and the Pro-Life Action League launched the National Day of Remembrance for Aborted Children, encouraging people to gather at grave sites and memorials to the unborn to pray for and honor these tiny victims of abortion. That first year, solemn prayer vigils were conducted at sites across the country, and the day continues to be observed on the second Saturday of each September. Priest for Life National Director Frank Pavone says that visiting the burial places of these children cuts through any rhetoric surrounding abortion and moves the conversation from the abstract into concrete reality. The day also offers the promise of hope and healing to mothers and fathers who have lost children to abortion. In the wake of the overturning of Roe v. Wade, it's more important than ever to repent of our national sin. Some of the sites for these memorials contain the bodies of hundreds, even thousands, of the innocent victims of abortion. Most of the time, the bodies were discovered in trash dumpsters outside abortion businesses. In one case, in the early 1980s, workers in California discovered a large container with the bodies of 16,500 aborted babies in it. Pro-lifers wanted to bury these babies, but abortion supporters waged a three-year legal battle to prevent them from being buried. They didn't want to humanize these babies, who were to them just medical waste but reinforcing the humanity of unborn children is part of the power of the Day of Remembrance. If you would like to take part in a memorial, go to nationaldayofremembrance.org to find one near you. The legal challenge against former President Donald Trump's 2024 candidacy will make its way to the Supreme Court later this month, and it may be up to the justices to decide whether or not there are grounds to kick him off the ballot. John Castro versus Donald Trump is a 14th Amendment case, arguing that Trump's role in the January 6th Capitol riot in 2021 should disqualify him from running for public office. The case was distributed to the court last week for an official conference on September 26th. It's not the first lawsuit against the former president under the U.S. Constitution's disqualification clause. Still, it is the first to argue that his candidacy could result in political competitive injury. Whether the Supreme Court will side with Castro remains to be decided. Another case challenging Trump's candidacy under the 14th Amendment in Florida was dismissed after a judge ruled that the plaintiff lacked standing to bring his case and that the alleged injuries in the filing were not particular to the plaintiff. Democratic Governor Andy Beshear has pushed his opposition to Kentucky's abortion ban to the forefront of his reelection campaign by linking his Republican challenger to an extreme scenario of the strict law, requiring young victims of rape or incest to carry their pregnancies to term. Bashir's campaign released a TV ad featuring a prosecutor denouncing the law's lack of exceptions for rape or incest. 
It attacks GOP nominee Daniel Cameron for supporting the measure, which bans all abortions except when carried out to save a pregnant patient's life or to prevent a disabling injury. The ad is airing in conservative rural regions as well as in more progressive urban and suburban areas. In his response, Cameron stood by his steadfast opposition to abortion. His campaign said in a statement that Bashir stands with Joe Biden and the most extreme wing of the Democratic Party on abortion, pointing to the governor's opposition to bills restricting abortion. Daniel Cameron is the pro-life candidate in this race and will work as governor to build a culture of life, Cameron's campaign said in a statement. During an interview on Fox News, Governor Ron DeSantis said Florida was sympathetic to expectant mothers mulling abortion and that the fathers of the unborn children should pay child support to the mothers. Most of these women do not want to have abortions, but they feel like they have no other options because they get no support. And that's because a lot of these men are nowhere to be found, DeSantis told Kaylee McKenney. They should absolutely be providing support, DeSantis added. They should absolutely be held accountable. DeSantis said that in Florida, being pro-life means for the whole kit and caboodle, noting that state law expands postpartum medical care and options for foster care and adoption. I think a lot of it comes down to whether women think it's financially feasible to do that. And when they don't get support from the father, then it can be overwhelming. So we in Florida are sympathetic to those women in that situation, DeSantis said. And that's political news in a nutshell. The 29th annual National Prayer Service will again take place on the morning of the March for Life, January 19, 2024, at Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. It will begin with a Catholic Mass at 7.30 a.m., followed by an interdenominational prayer service from 8.30 to 10.30. It will be a time of prayer, praise, music, and inspiring speakers. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone will deliver a powerful pro-life message. A highlight of the service is honoring the winners of the National Pro-Life Recognition Award. And this week, Priests for Life announced that Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, and Mark Lee Dixon, founder of the Sanctuary Cities for the Unborn Initiative, have been chosen as this year's winners. Please enjoy this clip of Frank Pavone and Father David Begany talking with Bishop Strickland about the award and his pro-life work. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to our broadcast. I'm joined here by our pastoral associate, Father David Begany. Father, good to have you with good us. Good to be with you, Father. And uh, friends, uh, we are privileged today to have a brief conversation with Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, and I'm very happy to let you know the reason why we've invited the bishop to come on today, because every year at the National March for Life, the morning of the march, uh, we hold the National Prayer Service at Constitution Hall, and we bestow an award there called the National Pro-Life Recognition Award. Now, this is bestowed by Priests for Life and also the National Pro-Life Religious Council, an interdenominational pro-life effort. And this year, among those we are honoring is Bishop Strickland. So, Bishop, we are so happy to give you this award uh, this coming January, and we're so grateful for your witness to the sanctity of life and to the rights of the unborn. Thank you for being with us for a few moments today. Thank you very much. Um, I'm, I couldn't be honored more than to be honored for respecting the, the precious gift of life that God has given us. 
And the people who are going to be at that um, uh, service and who are going to see this broadcast uh, are just, they're so thirsting for leadership. And uh, that is such a need of our time, isn't it? I mean, the teaching is clear, but it requires courageous shepherds to, uh, to articulate that teaching. Absolutely. As, um, as you, we all know, there's been discussion among the bishops about whether it's a, a preeminent issue and uh, it is, absolutely. I, I really believe that the sanctity of life is the issue of our time, and especially the, the sanctity of the life of the unborn, because they're the most of everything, most vulnerable, the weakest, um, the most helpless. Uh, and so it is the issue of our time. And we're seeing, sadly, so many in the spectrum of what the church teaches clearly, but does need to be spoken more clearly and more vigorously, the sanctity of life from conception to natural death along that spectrum. As And I know I'm, I'm not saying anything that you're not aware of at Priests for Life, but along that spectrum, life is being attacked almost at every turn. And so when we lose the sanctity of the life of the unborn, as I've said many times, then everyone's vulnerable. And sadly, we're seeing that vulnerable reality for really every human being in the world at this time. Uh, Bishop, uh, are the U.S. bishops planning any particular program now to, uh, you know, reinforce this, uh, uh, you know, the sanctity of human life as the preeminent issue? Or are they still debating whether or not they want to make that a formal policy? Um, Father, I'm not aware of any initiative. Uh, it, it may be happening. I, I would love it if it was, but I certainly am not aware of, of any real focused initiative to underscore uh, the preeminent truth of the sanctity of the life of the unborn. Um, I just don't see that's where the focus of the bishops in this country is. Uh, it needs to be, in my opinion, but I don't see that focus. But if the, the shepherds aren't leading, then we just have to continue to encourage every shepherd that is. And thankfully, there are some that are very strong and and mainly, you know, the flock, the, the faithful um, at every opportunity, the faithful have to to stand for the sanctity of life and to really recognize it as the issue. As I'm sure the three of us have, have said many times in many ways, if you're not, if you don't manage to be born, then all the other issues, economic and equality, all the issues that are significant, but you don't starve to death if you're already dead in the womb. Uh, and so we've got to, really emphasize to humanity that great gift from God. And that's that's part of the issue that really isn't being tackled as well. It's life comes from God. Too many people are claiming there is no God or ignoring God's commandments. And so the the reality is 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 pretty dark. Uh, we're always hopeful. We know that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the son of God. His light is as powerful as ever. But Getting back to your question, Father, I believe as shepherds, as successors of the apostles, we should be a mighty roar of the truth of the sanctity of life. Instead, we're 
uh, muddled and too quiet and too many contradictory voices um, and not strong voices with clarity and charity. The National Prayer Service is co-sponsored by Priests for Life and the National Pro-Life Religious Council. Admission is free. In the near future, we will also be announcing who our special musical guest will be, and we will have some exciting speakers to announce as well. For complete information and updates, please visit nationalprayerservice.com. We hope to see you all there on January 19th. Thank you so much for joining us on Pro-Life Primetime News, produced at Priests for Life headquarters in Titusville, Florida. Remember, as we discussed last week on our show, National Pro-Life T-Shirt Day is coming up on October 3rd. Teresa and I are wearing one of our popular shirts, My Heart Beats Just Like Yours. You can order this shirt and many others at ProLifeProducts.org. Be sure to order soon to have it in time for October 3rd. If you like our show, please support us by making a donation to ProLifeGift.org. These donations help fund all of our work here at Priests for Life which enables us to continue educating, equipping, and activating God's people to end abortion. For all your pro-life news updates during the week, please follow us on Twitter at Pro-Life News Show. I'm Teresa Watson, Executive Manager. I'm Leslie Palma, Communications Director. Remember, life is the only choice. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.